what was the first pieces of content that I created that helped to kind of get you past those first one to two years of content, whether you're new or whether you're recommitting, this is something that you can do in order to honestly start growing and continue and dive into how you figure out what are those sweet spots of content that really kind of just drive your audience wild. Like they just really register with it and you know, like, okay, this is what I'm supposed to be. Doing. Like you, you refine your message so much that eventually it's just like, this is on the one. What is up entrepreneurs? Welcome back to the video simplified podcast with me, your hostess, the most S Diana Gladney. I think that after five plus years of creating content on YouTube and just honestly in creating content in general, because it's honest, it hasn't always been YouTube. And a lot of people don't uh, know that is when I first got started, that I got started on Facebook and doing videos on Facebook. It wasn't that I was honestly doing uh, a ton of content to uh, any other platforms or like trying to be everywhere. I tried that at first and it was extremely exhausting, but I do want to recount some of the things that I've learned over the course of the last five years of creating content and just how I've been able to consistently produce one video per week. And at times, you know, doubling and tripling up on that, doing different video challenges like Vlogmas uh, and a ton of other things. Uh, So it's been quite, quite the journey in doing this. Uh, and this is also coming after uh, receiving my diagnosis with stage four endometriosis and just how that whole thing has played out uh, over over the years and, and dealing with that, working a full time job and just a ton of other things that I want to dive into, because I think that the new next level creator isn't going to be coming from people that are coming from at home locations like they they were a stay at home mom or something like that. I think it's going to come from some of the busiest people that are just honestly this whole exodus of people that are quitting. I think the next level creator is going to come from the person that has been tired, exhausted, frustrated with their working circumstances, uh, with their job that they've had before. I think what we're going to see happen in the creator community is that these people become some of the best creators that we've ever seen with execution on ideas uh, that we've ever seen and outworking people that probably are doing this full time. And the reason I believe this so much is because they will be fresh, like fresh off the press, coming from a job that they hate and finally leaning into something that they love. And it's at that point that it's just going to absolutely go bananas (laughs) and uh, and I think there's a lot to be to, to be seen there just to come. So I wanted to dive into how I've been able to navigate those waters, being the person, like I said, that worked a full time job, being the person that has, you know, a debilitating disease at times, being the person that, um, you know, you're doing it by yourself. Uh, I was having this conversation with with my dad not that long ago about how I remember having those thoughts sitting in my cubicle, listening to podcasts, listening to all kinds of, uh, of content, listening to YouTube videos and people talk about their journey. And it would always be interesting that, you know, the struggle definitely would be real, especially if you have children, especially if you, you have a spouse, you have a, uh, a home network that is already existing that you're trying to now say, Hey, maybe 20, 30, 40, 50%, maybe more of the income that was coming into the home is now going to stop because I want to quit my job and go full time. 
the difference for me was um, I didn't have, you know, a spouse or somebody else contributing financially to any of the what I was doing. There wasn't um, some kind of uh, support system in that way. Uh, there was no that structure didn't exist. And so going full time and going all out was a whole other a different ball game that we'll definitely uh, dive into. So I want to take you back into circa 2015, 2016 of when all of this got started. It's for me, that is when I'm thinking, how can I start sharing my passion? How can I uh, even just find what my purpose is and really start to explore that? How can I figure out what I'm supposed to do, what I'm designed and created to do? Um, where do I go? Uh, what should I do? I figured I'm like, well, it's got to be in having a business. I had some experience with with that already, but I'm like, okay, it's got to be something. But I'm like, I suck at sales. I suck at trying to figure like and communicate um, too reserved and, and things like that in the sense of not wanting to talk to people, being like super introverted and, you know, working on those things, but not to the extent of, you know, the kind of stuff or even where I am today. So that was its own growth. Personal development was something that I had already gotten hold to, thankfully, uh, and really, really sincerely by the time I was like 18, 19. Um, well, I'd say let's just call it even 20, because for sure by 20, because 18, 19 was a little like iffy. Uh, it's hard to believe in some of the personal development books and things you're seeing when your life situation around you is not great. So I became an adult during a recession. So <laughs> trying to figure that whole thing out was its own story. But fast forward to I'm sitting in the, the, the cubicle, I'm sitting at work and this is now after surgery. This is now after, you know, getting the message like it's a, a paper flashing in front of my face. I remember it like it was yesterday, paper flashing in my face showing me the pictures of the inside of me <laughs> showing like now all of these different organs and things. It's like, well, here's where this problem was over here and we had to take this out and put this here. And then this was almost coming out. So we had to put that back. Like, it's just, I'm like, what? And it's like, yeah, man, you, you, we had to stop the surgery, go get another surgeon to bring him in to specialize in this area. And then we worked on you to get like, I'm like, what? I'm thinking no different than an ibuprofen. Take it, fix whatever the problem is and get back to work. Like situation over. Apparently that wasn't the case. So you wake up hearing that you almost died, not that you could have, but that you almost was gone. Going back to work completely changed who I was and, and, and how I performed. Uh, the books that I was reading before, the, the stuff that I was doing uh, took a different approach. Uh, the eventuallys and the maybes of the soon to comes didn't, like I, those needed to come a little bit closer. Those needed to come a little bit faster. I wasn't pleased with waiting until my thirties or something or expecting, well, maybe around about 40 or something, maybe that by then things will start to, to change or, you know, pace up for me a little different. It's just, I was like, mm, I'm not doing that. There's going to have stuff's got to change now. I'm like, cause I can't live the way I've been living. So I'm going into this entrepreneurial journey with all of this already on my plate. Needless to say, I'm like, okay, where can I start? Put it in a search. Um, like I didn't need to know like the, how to start a business. I was trying to figure out how to take an idea and maybe transform it into this new age version of business, like on the internet. 
but do it successfully. Uh, and and so doing that, like I'm working full time. So that is uh, a guaranteed thing. Then you have like stuff like overtime um, and just like all of that. So I'm researching content and I'm going into trying to create a plan. Now I've gotten to the plan. Fast forward again. I've hired my coach. I'm working with him and he tells me to do video. This comes as a shock to me. I didn't want to do video. I didn't want nothing to do it. I didn't even take pictures. So for him to say, go and make videos, I'm like, clearly this guy has no idea who I am. And so, but it's, it's something that I'm reminded of by Napoleon Hill. If you read Think and Grow Rich, and if you read the uh, Law of Success in 16 Lessons, that is like almost like the true Think and Grow Rich. He speaks about, uh, you'll hear Napoleon Hill talk about the story of when Andrew Carnegie commissioned him to write this book, go study the wealthiest, most important people of the time and study them and get their secrets to success, essentially. And this guy, Andrew Carnegie, he had already interviewed several people before him, before he got to Napoleon Hill. None of them got commissioned for it. This processing that Napoleon Hill went through, which is like, basically, you're going to do this for the next 15, 20 years of your life. And this will probably be like a life project. You're not going to get paid for it but I will introduce you to all those guys. Yes or no, do you want this opportunity? It's essentially how this is kind of proposed to him. In his mind, he's thinking like, I got a family to provide for, like I'm trying to do some stuff. I'm a young man, but this is also Andrew Carnegie. So what do I do? And it's just like in himself, it's just like, I have to say yes to this because I can't afford to say no for what this may mean for me in my life, not for like the paycheck potentially on the other end, or maybe one of those other guys that hire me. Like I don't have time to figure all that stuff out. But what I do know is this is important enough for me to say yes, even if I don't understand the how he said yes. And instantly, well, he, I take that back. He didn't just say yes. He told him, he said, I'll do it, Mr. Carnegie, and you can count on me. And that he said it emphatically, very excitedly. And he, he, Andrew Carnegie said that he, the way that he responded and how quickly he did, because the way he processed it in mind, it's like milliseconds. He instantly said yes. And then he was like, you're hired. You got the job. Like you got it. And it was his enthusiasm towards going into that unknown that made that whole thing happen. And obviously if you know anything about uh, Napoleon Hill, if you know anything about Andrew Carnegie and how that thing progressed and just how many lives were changed back of it, those life changing decisions may come in a second and only give you half a second to make a decision as to whether or not this is something you want to proceed with. That is how I felt when my coach said to do video and he said, are you going to do it? In my mind, I'm thinking and like all of this is processing in milliseconds of milliseconds. I don't take pictures. I don't like being on camera. I don't know what I'm going to sound like and how long is this going to be? Am I going to have enough content to last for as long as it, the duration of this, will this actually work or will this be something else that winds up being a flop that doesn't work out for me? And so, but it's just a half of a second of a second <laughs> that I'm thinking I did not hire this coach in order for me to remain the same. And it's because of that and knowing internally the same kind of exchange that Andrew Carnegie and Napoleon Hill had, 
I felt like this was my moment. And so it's almost instantly that I said, I'm going to do it to the point that my coach on the other side was like, you going to, you going to do it. You serious? I was like, I'm going to do it. And he's like, you're going to, you're going to make it. I said, I will make the video. I'm, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do He's like today. That was his thing. It has to be done today. So it wasn't like, wait two, three days, wait till next week, wait till you have time because the goal is to create a 60 to 90 second video. This challenge and to do this and create 30 videos that were within 60 to 90 seconds and to continuously post this content, it was that, that urging of my coach that made me go from that first video to this video, right? To go from this piece of content to the next and the next and the next and the next. So what did I initially create content about? This is how I built a strategy that's lasted me these la- these next five years. It's how I built a strategy that ultimately really helped me to one, consistently and continue to create content. Number two, make sure that I can produce this week over week without fail. And then number three, learn this whole process of YouTube, uncover uh, more of my purpose and the what I'm supposed to be doing and find clarity in my content and who my content is supposed to serve. And we're going to dive into all of that uh, right after we jump into this week's gear fix. This week's gear fix is brought to you by the video simplified community. We launched a membership uh, community over on the Mighty Networks platform. We actually had this through Buy Me A Coffee, but it just wasn't extensive enough to do all of the things that I wanted to do. So we have since moved over and I hope that you come over to join the community with us. We have live trainings every two weeks. We are diving into all kinds of content when it comes to TikTok, Instagram, and uh, YouTube, of course. Now, as well as weekly polls and things to help you keep accountable to your goals. So if you're finding that creating by yourself is not working for you, you're not finding it where anybody understands what you're doing, make sure you come and check out the Video Simplified community. The doors to this community just open so you can start getting in because once it fills up, it fills up and it may be a little bit harder <laughs> to navigate some things, but I'm very excited with the mission of where things are going. Make sure you go to diana.link for this week's gear fix, which would be forward slash gear fix or dyna.link forward slash gear fix. If you want to check this out and if you want to join this community, I highly encourage that you do. So as I'm thinking through all of the things that are challenging to me, as I'm thinking through all of the things that are frustrating to me and, and what I want for my life, the last thing that I thought that I would have to deal with is making videos or to do something so uncomfortable. But one of the things that I appreciated about my coach was that he allowed me space to like figure it out. Like it wasn't that I was going to ask him every little thing, just my personality type in general is to figure it out. Like I'm very dogmatic in, I'm going to search until I get to the 72nd page of a Google search result looking for my answer to the one unknown blog post, something that exists that just maybe, maybe the thing that I need stay up until the alarm goes off to say, wake up. And I'm like, I never went to sleep. Um, So 
that's like that's the kind of person you know that I am. Like I'm, I was obsessed, um, not with video in essence or whatever, but just obsessed with my purposeful work. But it wasn't that at the time. It was just putting my idea to paper and then taking that and turning that into actual true video content. So I want to dive into what was the first pieces of content that I created that helped to kind of get you past those first one to two years of content, whether you're new or whether you're recommitting, this is something that you can do in order to honestly start growing and continue and dive into how you figure out what are those sweet spots of content that really kind of just drive your audience wild. Like they just really register with it and you know, like, okay, this is what I'm supposed to be. Like you, you refine your message so much that eventually it's just like, this is on the one. The first thing that I did, like if you're trying to get to these first one, two, three years worth of content, I wrote down an exhaustive list of products, services, content ideas, and titles um, that were in primarily my industry. What I am doing now is nothing of what I used to do because my business wasn't around helping you simplify the video creation process. My business was around helping people that had an idea turn it into a business by just basically helping you get it set up so that you can get started. What happened was I started to, like the more I was doing videos, the more I was running into problems and solving those problems, the more I realized like there are other people out there that are having these same challenges that if they're searching to, they're not finding good competent answers in the field of what I'm talking about. There, of course, there was stuff around like, you know, beginning to, to build a YouTube channel. Of course, there was stuff around being a cinematographer and videographer and, you know, photographer or whatever. But the thing is, there's nobody making video content for the entrepreneur that needed to make video content. And so if there was, I didn't know about them, but people would talk about it, but then they go into something else. Like they cover a couple episodes on it on their channel and then they wouldn't talk about it anymore. So there was just uh, an endless amount of unanswered questions or I had to listen to something in the wrong niche, reverse engineer it and figure it out for myself. And then I would go and put that answer on my channel, what I've uncovered, found and found to be true or things to change or whatever. This also came into play when I looked at this list. I decided to take a large white sheet of paper. At first, I think I took printer paper and like legal sheets and just (laughs) did like three rows of those. And then those filled up. And so I eventually went to the dollar store and got like a roll of parchment paper or whatever, even like on um, wrapping paper, there is a white side. So I just took like, I found like they have the blank ones. And so I just did that and put that on the wall. And every time I would have an idea, I don't care what I was doing. I come in the room, pick up the pencil and write what that idea was. And I got until about, about three, uh, yeah, about, it was only like a quarter left, quarter of the ways left of that paper roll that I had. And completely covered that. So then that paper went from my room to my living room just because I'm like, and I didn't have it in here because I didn't want it, you know, seen as I'm making videos. And I'm still trying to figure out the space and stuff like that too, or what should I have in the background, stuff like that. What I decided to do was put it in the living room because I I noticed with me personally, putting this in my bedroom was distracting and I couldn't go to sleep because I'm thinking, what else should I add to the list? Again, I was some somebody that's, that's just obsessive about my purpose. 
It just is the way I am. And so I'm like, okay, I got to take this out of here so I can stop thinking about it. But I would always have a, ner- a notebook, a journal, something near me so that I can continue to write uh, or capture those ideas always. Even when I'm asleep, uh, you know, I have on my phone, like so I can do a voice recorder and then in the morning, go write that idea down. Then I started to categorize these content ideas that I had simply not based on like, I didn't know anything about YouTube search, didn't know anything about uh, growing an audience or any of that. I'm just trying to go through the video ideas. And so I think one of the things that people make a mistake about when they're new and creating content is honestly only thinking to make the good stuff or the best things. They never write down the ideas that they think aren't good or aren't going to quote unquote blow up. You don't know truly what is the deepest desire in the heart of your audience. You do your best to keep your hand on the pulse of your people, which is something that I absolutely teach. However, there are pieces of your content that are going to help to build a competent library that may not be the sexiest title, but for the 500, 1,000, 10,000 people out of, let's say on average, maybe a 50 or 1,000 video, 100,000 people or something like that, they may watch the content uh, depending on like what your numbers may look like. It's a smaller subset of group, but that doesn't mean that it's not a valuable piece of content that they don't deserve to have or don't deserve to have or, you know, a piece on your channel. So I wrote out what were the things that I was most excited about? That was a category. I wrote another category of things that um, were very important, like a must have content list. And this must have content list, it had to be ideas that these are the first top 10 questions that anybody in this niche or in this area have concerns around. Then once I started getting clients, I had another section that these are the things that people ask the most about. Then I had another category that would just be associated or related content ideas. So at the time, the tech and camera stuff wasn't the primary focus, but if I'm Now, adopting this message of you need video in your business, which I absolutely believed in because that is how producing content is how anybody ever found me ever. Like and then at that point, you get into referrals and stuff like that uh, or, you know, coming up on Google and all these different things that we now do have do have in, in the business. But content is the absolute number one way that anyone found me when I was first getting started and having an exhaustive, competent content library that showed the scope of my knowledge, showed the scope of my my understanding of this field, gained instant credibility and trust with a community of people that I was trying to build, especially when I was first getting started. When you are only putting out BS content that doesn't help to show what you're good at. It doesn't help to show the scope of what you're trying to do. And a lot of people get scared about producing a piece of content because they think in the beginning, if I share all of my best stuff, then unfortunately nobody's going to want to be bothered with it because they're just going to uh, like go to somebody else. Like they already have the answer. They're not going to hire me. On the contrary, when you put out your best stuff, people assume that if this is what is for free, I know I'm going to get something good if I actually truly work with this person. 
that is the like the biggest quantifiers of making it easy of where I don't have to justify the 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 uh, I don't have to justify the cost of something in the company. So it, like I've not had to go through and and pitch people on or like go back and forth with people about uh, something dealing with the the price of something. It doesn't exist. You don't have to price haggle with people. Uh, and so doing that and knowing that your your value is undeniable makes that extremely, extremely easy. Once you have the bucket of ideas of the what you want to create, how you want to create them, um, I now need to go off of, for me, what am I most excited to create? Based on that, that dictates whether or not uh, it makes it easy, honestly, to create something, especially when you're new. The goal is not to have things that are so complex, so long that they take a ton of research, two and three weeks at a time, because if you're doing it in that way, then it makes it very frustrating in order for you to continue, in order for you to keep going. There's no way for you to honestly get that video out. It's always going to be taking longer than you expected because you don't know how long it takes yet. You want to be able to formulate these into buckets. I teach what's called the content quadrant, which I'll probably have to do a dedicated episode on. But when you look at this content quadrant, it's honestly a matrix of content so that you know these four different buckets, these four categories of content to create. You have things like your quick hitters that are very easy for you to pump out. It should not take you long to record a few points that you can write down. But these are things that, you know, top of mind. Even when you have videos that are, are three to five minutes long, these videos should not be uh, raw recordings like super duper long. Your raw recording for a three to five minute video maybe should be 15 or 20 minutes at the absolute longest. If it's taking you longer than 15 or 20 minutes to record a three, five, seven minute video, there's something about the recording process efficiencies that need to be improved upon. So it's not to say that you're doing a terrible job, but it's just the things to pay attention to. What are things that distract you in the midst of your recording? What are things that make you get up or, or go away from it? Sometimes it may be external influences, things like your children, things like that. But what I find most of the time for a lot of people is it's that you're not prepared to record yet. You think you have the idea or you're going to sit down and you like, I know my content so I can just crank it out. That's not good enough. And honestly, even if you can, that does not make for an efficient recording session, especially when you're capped for time. This is why the content quadrant is essential when you're going into doing this, because taking a look at this, this, this container of time that you have, it may be 15 or 20 minutes, it may be 30 or 45 minutes, but if you're not using it effectively, it doesn't matter. And it always goes to waste. So you need to have different containers for your planning time. That way, even if you are researching things or whatever and put an end date and time to that. So it's just not going on for forever because, yes, you can extensively research things, but you also have to remember you can create multiple videos. You can recreate videos that you've already created. You can update those videos annually or biannually. Like you can do it whatever you need to. There's no rules in for how much content that you can produce. So don't cap yourself based on simple things like oh, I already made that video. That's fine. You can always make an updated version of that. Or you can always say, you know, and piggyback on, I just kind of hate the word piggyback, but you can always add that in addition to. 
So that's the first thing. The second thing is what are all the topics and things in my niche, which kind of talked about, but now I want to break this down a little bit further. You have your primary and then you have your associated or related content. Your main thing of whatever it is that you're teaching, it could be gardening. If that is the main focus and you want to teach people how to simply create efficient home gardens, so probably efficient may not be the right word, but you want to help them to create gardens at home with ease. And you want people to understand like you can grow your own food with a very small patch. So it doesn't matter if you're in the city or if you're in a rural area, everyone can take advantage of this with whatever yard space that you have. When this is the message and the focus of it, you have to think what are the ideas that are most in alignment with that person getting that end result goal? That is your channel promise. Your channel promise should be very much aligned with that content promise of delivering when I'm making things to help them get this ultimate goal or channel promise of content that I'm saying that I want them to have. Now you have your associated and related things. So let's talk about the primary things first before we move on to that. The first things that you would do with that kind of stuff, this may be how much space do you actually need? And so you're going in the backyard, you're measuring off a small plot that everybody maybe at least have, even if they're living uh, in the city and they have side by sides or things you grow on the side of the house that are good for shaded environments versus things that maybe always get a ton of sun. You're breaking these concepts up into not, like you're not doing a massive dump of content. You're breaking this up into this idea is one video. This idea or this portion of the idea is one video. Most people get, they get messed up because they are trying to build a library of content. That's all long form content. When people are searching for things, this you need to be able to provide them episodic content. What I mean by episodic content is the reason why some of everyone has had a Netflix account, an Amazon Prime account, a Hulu account, an HBO Max account, or a Disney Plus account. Some of everyone has had that because there's some show, some form of content that is released episodically. Even movies have various versions or seasons to them or where they're producing part one, two, and three, and four, and whatever. But episodic content is great because you can tell a good story with only this part of the story is told on episode one. This part of the story is told on episode two. And so you're breaking up this journey of progressive content into sections, makes it digestible, makes it easy, makes it enjoyable. And you also know what you're going to get within this container of time in this one episode. When you try to make it all too much, like if there is a 10 hour film, who's getting through that? Heaven forbid the, the power go out or something like that, or your kid unplugs something accidentally, whatever, uh, or a ball hits it, knocks it, whatever. And then you're like, where was I at? Was I at two hours and 37 minutes and 15 seconds? Or where is it? Like, it makes it easy to pick up from where you left off at. Obviously easier because the applications like on Prime and stuff will pick up automatically for you. But YouTube is, in, is, is like that in a sense, but you have to capture and keep your people's attention. They're looking to get the answers. And so this is also where that ideal of uh, building live only content can be problematic. If I'm looking for an answer to a problem that I'm having and I'm searching for content and I only see an hour, 15 minutes, one hour, 12 minutes, uh, you know, just got like constantly 54 minutes, 50, you know, just like, I don't want, I don't want to do that. I got to give a whole 
gap of my time in order to get us what I should think is a relatively simple answer. So the person that shows like 12 minutes, 10 minutes, seven minutes, they're going to earn the click because they're taking a care for that person's time. So when you're thinking about and you're formulating your ideas and you have this wall of things, what I would do is for me at the time was just break this up into like a small, medium, large kind of category, if you will, but simple. It's like super easy to do. It's a medium. If it's going to require some research, it's kind of easy for me to do, but I do need to add a little bit of research of content stuff there. And then the heart, which is like, okay, this is going to be real hard for me to do. And I need to figure this out. Like it's a whole lot of research. This may take a week or two of planning before I can sit down and record. Knowing this ahead of time, now I can reorganize my list and I can pick and you can just do like a highlighter, like yellow, orange, green, whatever you need to categorize the content to make it make sense. So what are all of the topics? What are all of the things over the scope of the work that you're going to make when it comes to video content and what's now easy for you to create? What's a medium kind of something for you to create? It requires some research, but not a ton. Still something you can crank out relatively fast. But what's something that may take you about a good two weeks to really dedicate some time for? Now you have breathe space. Breathe space is just basically, when I look at my calendar now, where are the, like I put this video, I can record video ABC, or video number one here, because I only have like a 20, 30 minute gap, but I can do two very short videos, two quick hitters in there. That's easy. Maybe I can squeeze in a third because it doesn't take for me to do that. It doesn't require much. Maybe I just need one or two bullet points to help me keep on track. I don't need an exhaustive list. I want to real quick touch on those of you that like or think that you need to use a teleprompter. You're adding in a learning curve that you're not maybe ready for yet. When you're reading a teleprompter, your eyes are going to move because you're reading. When you are just talking into the camera, you're just talking into the camera. If you are somebody that is brand new to video and you're trying to use a teleprompter, you should probably stop. Practice another time. You're introducing a learning curve that you're trying to make yourself successfully navigate in order to produce this video. You have a vision for your content to be produced out in a certain way. I get that. However, the fact that you're using this teleprompter and you're making yourself read, if you read it wrong, you got to redo, 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 redo. Versus you could have just said it like innately, you have to be able to learn to trust, to trust yourself, learn to trust yourself that you know your stuff, you know your content enough to at least say it out in statements, fragments, and all kinds of stuff. I put a link to uh, a video that I did where I teach you on uh, some of the things that I use. And, and most importantly, the smile and hold method. So you're smiling, holding, saying something in segments. You're not necessarily not just going on and on and on for an exhaustive amount of time that makes it harder for you to cut. So just pay attention to those things when you're going through that video. I'll put a link in uh, the show notes uh, in the description as well for where you can check that video out. Now, when we go into this third area of content, what are the, the areas of content that's in high demand, but that's also what are the things that are also in low demand, knowing the difference between those two? What are some right now trending topics that are super important? What are some topics that maybe it's six months, a year, two years old, whatever, or it's not something that's highly desired or searched for that much, but you still need both. 
high demand content and low demand content equal a exceptional content library. The reason why is because it shows you're not just only staying on trending stuff. You're also capturing those things that maybe they only need to search for once. And when they figure out the answer problem solved, and then they can move on. Being able to be the go-to resource in your audience makes a huge difference from whether or not it's easy for them to hit subscribe and come back around or if it makes it more difficult. So when it makes it easy for people to say yes, you can get people to say yes to your channel, yes to your content, simply by being a person with a good, thorough library of content. This is why I said right down in the beginning, all of your ideas. The way that I've been able to go through these five years, I'm not still working off that initial list because we've made one for, for sure, made more than enough uh, of those videos. And probably now um, at different times, like like unlisted or removed. Like uh, at one point I know it's like uh, anywhere from 50 to 100 videos. And then another time it was like 70 to 80 videos. So, you know, close to the ballpark, probably with other stuff included, maybe a good 200 videos that were made at some point, at some point published and then removed. When you start thinking about now what makes sense to keep, and it wasn't like because it was old, just stuff that wasn't on brand anymore. Uh, it wasn't things that I talked about anymore. Uh, and not like I say, uh, maybe a type of camera or something. It were They were things like because of the old niche of the what I used to do. I did, wasn't serving anything and it would be more confusing than it would be helpful. Uh, so those things got removed or deleted at some point. Um, at one point I had where my old original podcast, uh, I just had a picture and then with the audio, and I uploaded that. And it's like, well, yeah, I could have left those unlisted. And I kind of wish I did to, to some point or posted them someplace else or maybe added them to a Dropbox. But that was from those days where I used YouTube like a free Dropbox and just kind of put whatever video content, audio stuff there. People aren't interested in, in unorganized content. They're interested in well curated and crafted content. When I think about the span of things that I've made over the last five years, your content, your vision, all of these things will be amplified over time. You'll always get more clarity and you'll continue to refine and refine and refine until you go from really rough edges initially when you're getting started, unless you already have a business or uh, something like that, that you're already clear on those things. But even still with your content plan and strategy, you refine it over time, over and over and over again. And you'll continue to do this by going through knowing what are the things I'm most excited about? What are those primary, secondary, secondary and related and associated content that I'm going to make stuff around? What are the things that uh, of the scope of this, of those things, like I said, that's easy for me to create? What are the, what are the estimated times that it would take for me to record this? And then getting to the end, what are those things that are in high demand versus what are those things that are in low demand so that I can have overall a good, competent library. So by the time you're one, two and three years into making consistent content, it's very easy to publish one video per week because every video is not a 25 minute video. It's not a one hour live stream per se and live streams to an extent. And I see this a lot with people They'll get comfortable with going live because it's easy. But then wonder at, at some point why the channel isn't growing, why people aren't subscribing. You're kind of rocking with the same, I don't know, 10 or so people maybe or whatever. And it's just like, if I have to always give the real time 
content, not that live streams won't work, but I'm just saying it can, can tend to move slower at times. And for many people, there are some outliers there, but at the same time, for most people, it's like, they're not, they're trying to get better at the live streams. Cool. You go live a lot. Cool. I used to also, and I'm saying used to as of like 30 days ago and just like sunsetting the Friday live live stream show uh, simply because I'm like, it needs to be more refined. If I'm going to go live, it'll be a dedicated topic instead of just uh, Q and A's because it was honestly only supposed to be through like 2020, a little bit of 2021. And I just continued that a little bit longer than I probably should have. But knowing that it's like, I don't want to just do random Q and A's and hope that uh, you know, this is overall a good show because of the quality of the questions or whatever. Uh, it's just like, I don't want to do that. I want to make sure I'm having a refined show. So if you notice that the Friday live streams went away, you're right. They did. And if you do see a live stream, it has a dedicated topic with content at the beginning. And then at that point, we may go into a Q and a at that point, but a little bit more refined. So your ideas, your methodologies, you will grow as a creator. And this is what a lot of people don't give space to they'll say like, I've had my channel a year, but I ain't been making a content for a year. People say, I've been doing this for six months, but you ain't really been making content for six months, once every single week. Once a week has been kicking a lot of people's behind simply because you spend a good seven, eight, 10 days thinking about content, but you don't take one day to actually produce content. And that is a strategy of, doing nothing. It's a great way to waste your own time. It's a great way to invest into gear that don't yield a return. The reason why I I don't even ask people at this point, and it's been probably for the last year and a half, I have not asked anyone, what is your budget for creating? Uh, or what is your budget for a camera? When somebody's getting into the video space, you're not trying to like, like you, you have disposable income to some extent. You may not want to spend the money or you may not want to spend past a point, which I understand, but it's just like, I'm willing to commit this much money to this and then see what happens. To see what happens, people kind of have a camera that sits on the shelf for about a year and don't do anything with it. I get those emails more often than I care to admit. I get those DMs more often than I care to admit. If you want to avoid being one of those kinds of people, you can't just half it. You know what I'm saying? Like you cannot essentially just go and say, well, I'm going to try for 30, 60, 90 days and see what happens. You have to commit for 30, 60, 90 days. And in the process of seeing what happens, commit to the next 30, 60 or 90 days thereafter. YouTube and video content creation, this whole thing around being a creator, this is the long game. I remember very distinctly, um, talking to Sean Cannell, it's like, we weren't like friends or nothing like that at the time. Like it was, um, I can't even remember like the basis of the call. I think it was just like trying to like get to know each other or whatever uh, at some point. And he was asking something for, I don't know, maybe a presentation or whatever, but it's just kind of like trying to like, okay, what are you into? Just kind of, you know, again, like getting to know you. And he asked a question. Cause I remember I was at work. I got up, left the floor and I'm like, the meeting was scheduled in the midst of me being at work. And I wasn't going to say no, I'm not going to try to figure out new schedule timeframes or none of that. Cause I was not it's like this, you have your work schedule and it's your work schedule and nobody's trying to take like a 8 PM uh, call or something like that. Right. So I was like, 
yeah, 12 o'clock is fine or 10 a.m. is fine. I'm not going to be at work. I'm just going to log out. If I get in trouble, whatever, it is what it is. But it was worth it. But I very distinctly remember in that call, him asking, like, uh, what are your goals for this? And where do you see yourself going? And I was like, to be honest with you, I'm still trying to figure that out. But I'm like, I'm in this for the long game. I want to see what happens five and 10 years down the road. This is like barely, like barely maybe a year into making content. And I'm already saying like, I'm in this for the long haul. I'm in this for the five or 10 years. I'm in this for the next 20 years of my life, committing to building a brand and a niche and and like just building and refining my craft. And so I remember the look on his face because he was like, right. And he was like, okay, like, all right, like you serious. And so it's interesting now to look up and in a blink of eye, those five years are gone. So uh, if you're trying to figure out like, how can you make it this longer? I remember by the time I invested in like a Logitech webcams, the Logitech C920, which is funny enough, I still have it to this day. When I got to the point and I'm thinking, like I remember like setting that camera up and like for the first time taking out the box or whatever, I'm like, man, spending all this money and all this stuff. How am I going to have like enough content to keep producing year after year after year? Like, am I going to hit a point to where I don't know what to talk about? I don't know what to say. Uh, I know I should be making something, but I don't know what to do. The industry alone will keep you going. I questions that people have. Like I remember getting the first, um, like people like on like a regular basis. I remember like the first time get one comment. Give me weeks again before I get another comment. Sometimes months. Then get another one. Then on one video, made two or three, and I'm like, ooh, holy crap! I got a lot of people commenting on this video. Then the first live stream that popped. And I'm like, man, like I remember getting up after that live stream and sweating because I was so excited and I was so pumped. And I was just like, you know, having a conversation, laughing, engaging with the community, putting um, faces and names together with channel names and things like that for people that are in the community. So those people still subscribe to this day. So when you take a look at the journey that I've had and you may be looking into How can I apply this for myself today? Longevity is always going to be about how committed are you to the process? How committed are you to the vision that you have and how serious this is to you? Because the things that you're serious about, you make time for. I knew when I would get off work, that was going to be dog tired. So I knew I also would get a phone, like phone calls and text messages. And then I set up some boundaries to make space for that. So I wouldn't have to, you know, obviously feel bad. And just, again, boundaries of like, this is important to me. It has to get done. Just as, just as important as I had to go to work. So from the time I got from 3 to 6 p.m., I'm not taking any phone calls. Not taking any text messages. I'm not replying to anybody. I'll reply after 6. So even if I was feeling bad, take a, take a nap or something or whatever. Or I'm like... I get an hour before this medicine kicks in for real. And I'm like, I need to create. Like, I I just, I got to do it. And it may be a bad video, but I'm going to edit it and I'm going to upload it. 
and my computer was so slow and trash. It take like hours and then you have a rendering problem and that would take forever. Go take a bath and come back and it's like almost done another 20 minutes. It's so it's been an interesting and incredible journey um, to go through all of this stuff over uh, these last several years and moving into uh, year six uh, of creating content and stuff like that. And, and looking forward to 10 years, like a decade of doing this and, and just what all life has to bring in the scope of that. But then also knowing the impact and the change in people's lives that I've made this far, you don't know what one yes, what one obedience for me to God in saying, yes, I'm going to do this. Yes. I'll, take this commission, Mr. Carnegie, and you can count on me in the words of Napoleon Hill. It's like, yes, I'll do this. I'll commit to this. And you don't know what one yes of obedience to something that you may be deathly afraid of, how it can ultimately change your life. When I think about where I want things to go over the next several years, there are things that I'm, I make space for imagination and make space for God's grace and his abundance in life. I'm making space for those things that I cannot imagine, but yet I'm expecting something absolutely incredible and monumental to happen in every facet of life. And so when you're thinking about your five years, where like if you're new to this, if you're in one or two years, if you're you're four going into five, if you're year two going, if you could be year 10 in your business and like you're one in on the content thing, you have to be in this for the long game and you have to commit that this is what is important to me and nothing else is going to get in the way. Mm-hmm.